You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 164, covering Armageddon Game and Whispers with Brian Lynch. Hi friends, we're back. It feels like we were just doing this yesterday, but uh, we're back. Through the miracle of doing two episodes two days in a row. Yes, and uh, Brian's here this time. Hello, Brian. Through the miracle of science. Truly, science is, science... is miraculous and we should not question it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Jesus. His... Thanks for science. Wow, you guys got political quick. Yeah, well, Bill Nye's been talking to us. and <laughs> <laughs> What did I tell you about listening to that Bill Nye guy? Bill, yeah. Bill, 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 Bill. Listen, the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast has always been a Beekman, a Beekman a centric. Uh, <laughs> We're a, a Beekman, Beekman of, of truth. Yes, <laughs> you've been you've been having a little bit of uh, speech difficulty there today, Matt. What's up with that? <laughs> well, you know, I've been drinking a whole lot. Oh, well, that happens when you, you know get married. since we lost the farm. <laughs> that happens when you get married. Get it? Yeah. Nah, jokes. Speaking of people who are married and miserable, this is a very uh, this is a very Chief O'Brien heavy week. So it is. I don't know what happened. He wasn't in like the first like five or six episodes we did this season, and now suddenly he's just like everywhere. Yeah, they're really making up for lost time. Yeah, yep. which is great. I mean, I you know, or Chief O'Brien of of all the characters, you know, he's the one I want to see the most. But uh, it was just weird. It's, it feels a bit uneven. But mm. uh, not to tie between him and Odo. That's true. That we've also been seeing a lot of. That that is a good point. It was a very Odo heavy early season, and uh, mm -hmm. so far still no Dax. Nope. Dax barely in it. A little bit of Dax. Tiny. Not tiny so much Dax. as you'd notice. No, she's still not Dax yet. Mm -hmm. But O'Brien has been O'Brien since day one, and God love him. Well, he was O'Brien before day one, so that probably explains that. That's true. Matt. Hi. Why don't you tell us about the first of Hi, the Matt. two O'Brien episodes? You want to hear about the Armageddon game? The Armageddon game, Armageddon. yes. Armageddon out of here. Oh. <laughs> you dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Get it? Do you get it? It was a joke. I dropped the ball on my desk and I said drop the ball. <laughs> God, I'm funny. I may not know <laughs> no, much about dude. Matt, but I know, my, I know a whole lot about hilarity. <laughs> Speaking of hilarity, Matt. All right. Why don't you give us one of your patented hilarious uh, summaries? Well, now you've set it up too much. This is the one where I turn to drama. Also, you you never uh, filled out that patent paperwork, so uh, oh yeah, someone could just steal that from you. My patents. <laughs> All right. So Julian and Chief O'Brien are on a mission to some planet or other, helping end one of those wars. You know, standard Star Trek stuff. Uh, in this case, the war appears to be over which race has more ridiculous hair. Both races have been using weapons called harvesters, which disassemble genes, and Julian appears to have found a way to finally destroy them once and for all. Unfortunately, just as they're turning the last can from red to green, a bunch of military guys burst in and kill everyone. Chief and Julian kick some serious ass, but in the resulting fight, O'Brien is splashed by chemicals. The scene where he was also struck by lightning and given complete mastery over the speed force was unfortunately cut for time. Anyway, so O'Brien uses his Master of Transporters to allow the two of them to escape to the crappy ruined desert planet far below. Back on DS9, Sisko receives news from the two alien races that, oh no, O'Brien and Bashir were tragically killed when O'Brien pushed the wrong button and vaporized everybody. Luckily, Keiko realizes what everybody else should know. Chief O'Brien does not push the wrong button. Ever. 
So Cisco and Dax head over to the planet to investigate. Down on said planet, O'Brien is attempting to fix a communications array and thingy to contact help when Julian realizes that Miles has been infected by a harvester. The slurred speech, temporary blindness, and giant oozing sore on Chief O'Brien's arm are all pretty good indicators. Anyway, they're able to contact the alien governments for help, but uh, unfortunately it turns out the two races are working together to make sure that every trace of the harvesters is eliminated, including these two guys' knowledge of it. Luckily, they're both saved at the last minute by Cisco and Dax, just in the nick of time, and O'Brien is cured of his almost dying disease and returned to the loving arms of Keiko. Poor bastard. <laughs> the, uh, these hair aliens. Yep. Hair aliens. As, as some might call them. So we've I got, might. we've got the bird hair aliens. Uh-huh. And the pile of hair in a fez shape aliens. Yeah, well, you well, you were the one who first pointed out that Memory Alpha says that this episode won an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Hair. Yeah, I don't well, know why that happened. they didn't say Attractive Achievement. Well, that's true. It was just Outstanding Achievement. That, well, they it was certainly Outstanding. It was they, standing out from the sides of their heads or from the back of their heads. <laughs> they had some they had some real crusty hair going on there. It was it was quite something yeah. to see. Yeah, well, they had was... like the winged one, and then it was like it looked like a fez from the front, but then like if you tur if they turned to the side, it was like a fin or a crest going down towards their neck. Hon it's like optical illusion hair. Yeah, like it turns into a different shape when he turns his head. Honestly, I kept expecting a little piranha plant to poke out of it and breathe fireballs <laughs> at them. <laughs> well, that's what spilled the harvester on Chief O'Brien. Yeah, luckily he had his <laughs> raccoon tail on, so he was able to turn into a statue to avoid it. <laughs> well, now that is a mental image. Mm -hmm. Colmini in a tanuki suit. Yep. And then Bashir rides by in his uh in his big green shoe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be great I'm if that gonna... was actually the episode. Yep. Yeah. It, it would the the title might make a little more sense. Actually, <laughs> Armageddon game actually did apply mm -hmm. more than more than whispers did to the other yeah. one. Yeah. It's not one that I'll read and immediately go, oh yeah, that one, but like, mm -hmm, eh, right. it makes enough sense. You know, right. the games, like, playing off each other and, I don't know, something. <laughs> I also, yeah, it's, it's also a very original series title. It is. It so I like is. it for that. The yeah. Armageddon incident. Yes. The, um, the, the overall, the, 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 the plot is a bit original series, I would say. Oh, totally. Yeah. We did, because we did an episode where everyone thought Kirk was dead and they mourned him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we kind of saw how everyone else reacted to that, and this is this is sort of similar to that. Yep, it's also in and the uh, what is it? Uh, not just cloaked, phased sort of. Uh, oh, that's category. true. Yeah, wasn't that um, Kirk one the one with the clown though? Oh God, I think it was too. Well, the, the one, one I'm thinking of, children or whatever. <laughs> the one I'm thinking of is uh, the Tholian Web, which is my favorite episode <gasps> ah. of the original series. Oh but, yeah, uh, okay. I think, getting, I think I'm getting Kirk my original space series suit. episodes crossed. That could be. I mean, we've we've moved you know pretty far since then. I might have to go back and watch a few. We were we were talking about uh, going back and doing something with one of the original series episodes not too long ago, and it's like I I realized how little I remember. Yeah. Now just do that just when uh, done, when Enterprise you know, finishes, when the post atomic horror is all done, and just go right back to just the beginning. Back just back ourselves. Yeah. Back to the cage again. We really should do the cage <laughs> at least one more time. Oh, of course. I don't think we did well, it enough. Well, presumably they're going to adapt it for you know like the third movie, right? Because you got to keep telling the cage. The, it's, it's the one real of those cage things... is having to watch the episode over and over again. <laughs> it's one of those things like Red Dragon, where you just have to keep telling the story over and over yep. and over again, always, forever. Well, if you keep telling it and telling it and tell it, eventually you're going to get too close. 
got too close. You're all getting too close. Sorry. Sorry, I got too close, you guys. Hey, Brian, why don't you tell me what your good thing was? Uh, I like the aliens' funky Ghostbuster guns. Uh, Sometimes uh, when they're doing the prop designs, and especially when it comes to the weapons of each unique race, they really kind of drop the ball. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, they've had. They have to create. You know, every time they create a new alien, they almost always have to create a new phaser. So, oh yeah, yeah after exactly. A while, and they want it to you know. look like really unique and distinctive. They don't want just everybody going around with Cardassian weapons or right. And usually, when it's like a full time race, like you know the Klingons, the Breen, like they have like pretty good looking guns. Mm, uh, yeah. Not so much the Bajorans, but whatever. I like the um, Bajoran Dustbuster guns. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice until this week how giant, like, Kira's gun is. Like, she wears a holster, like, that looks like a kangaroo pouch. Yep. Really It's like huge. taking up her entire torso. Yep. The, um, but these, they, they were cool. They had, like, this little, uh, you know, they had this neat aesthetic. They were sort of stubby but powerful, uh, inelegant and functional while maintaining an appealing, rugged efficiency. Truly, the Miles O'Brien of guns. <laughs> a more inelegant weapon for a more inelegant time. Right. They look like Borg arms. They actually, yes. yeah, they did a bit. Like, because they were very, you know, they, like they, they they were like the length of your forearm. Yeah, like, they were pretty long. Somewhere Lacutus cool. is going, hey. Yeah. Where did <laughs> I, well, like when when they ripped off his arm before, and he's just looking down at it. Yeah. Like, hey. hey, what'd you do? Come on. Is that the, cool. Um, the image of of Bashir, who has clearly never like operated a weapon in his life. Holding that giant gun, yep. I think, is what made it as well. Because, yeah. you know, he barely knows how, like, a, fe- a Federation phaser works. I have come it. here to kick ass and to chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of ass. Wait, how does that go? <laughs> Damn. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So could you borrow, could I lend, could you lend me some bubblegum? Because I don't want to have to change my itinerary. Thank you. <laughs> I don't actually like bubblegum. Do you have anything mint or possibly cinnamon flavored? Sincerely, Dr. Dr. Bashir. <laughs> They're curiously strong, these Altoids. <laughs> and yeah, so this... am I. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. I, Nailed it. Great, we we do get that great chemistry between them that that we had in the um in the racquetball episode a bit, but here more because they're in sort of a life threatening situation yeah. where where Bashir wants to help so bad. And he just, there's nothing useful he can do. Do you need me to put my finger on a knot what you're tying? Just go sit down, would you? His whole performance in this episode is like just one you tried sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you need me, I shall be counting the supplies so that we know how many supplies we has. (laughs) Yes, we know how many. We've got 20 supplies. Oh, no, there's 21. Miles, Miles. We got 21. Oh, oh, look at that. 22 supplies I found of some crackers in a couch. (laughs) Does this chair count as a supply? Does the couch count as a supply? Should we be taking the couch? (laughs) Miles. You guys aren't being nearly British enough. It would be a Chesterfield and some biscuits. Miles, (laughs) cooey. (laughs) Miles, I found this in the wainscoting. Very I think nice, I found uh, a freeze-dried blood pudding. Do you want this pudding? Because I'll, you know, I'll eat it. If, if you, you don't, don't want it, I'll eat it. But you can have it. See, this is why we bond because we're British. We James Bond. <laughs> Very British. Well, that, that comes later. <laughs> That's our man Bashir, yes, which is does. like season six or something. Uh, what was your bad thing, Brian? Uh, well, as much as my good thing was the design of their. Um... Uh, guns. My bad thing. Uh, their costumes—they looked like community theater Romulans. 
Yeah. They just it was just gray and drooping on one side and brown and drooping on the other, and they had kind of padded shoulders, but they really half assed it. I mean, if you're gonna pad the shoulders, pad the shoulders. We want our aliens to look like linebackers. I kind of want to see some kind of a community theater production that involves Romulans now. Yep. Like, uh, you know, Death of a Pre-Up or something like that. <laughs> it's, the, it's the school play on Deep Space Nine this year. Every one of us is a praetor on the roof. <laughs> Pretty crazy, eh? Why, do, why are you giving him a Dracula voice? That's how, uh... That's it's how his, the Remans sound? That's his yeah. Topol impression. Yeah. Ah, very nice. That's my Laser Wolf impression. Pew <laughs> pew Best name ever. That is a pretty fantastic right? name. Right? When you pr- the best part is if you if you hire Breen, you can have an actual laser wolf play the part. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's twice the Breen have come up. Does that count as a spoiler? Uh, not exactly because I think they've been mentioned. The they? Yes, uh, they were mentioned in generations, so we talked about them. And did they? Now here's show. just to go off on a complete tangent for a second. Did they have dog heads, or was that just how I imagined it? Because of the way their helmets were shaped, the helmets were shaped that way, but I don't think they ever unmasked. No, they never took their helmets off. Then I'm gonna go on pretending they they just looked like golden retrievers under there. There's actually there's a whole book about the brain and about how they're actually a bunch of different races that have sort of banded together. Oh right, and they designed the helmets to like accommodate all of them. Yeah. That yeah, means everybody's I, I going around with useless empty space in their helmet. I like that that's idea. What, that's right. Yep. Just just to uh, accommodate the one like the one eighth of the Breen Empire that looks like uh, collies. No, it actually it turns out that they're all really big Return of the Jedi fans, and they just want to model their uniforms on Bosch. Ooh, Bosch yeah. reference. Bosch. Your toe. Your toe. <laughs> I, I want to see. What about my toe? Of... <laughs> it has hibernation of... sickness. <laughs> I want to see a painting of Breen pa- uh, playing poker now. <laughs> <laughs> they're Somebody Breen! And they're playing, playing poker! poker. <laughs> Matt, what was your good thing? That's a good question. So this one was really sad. Like, yeah, it was. Cisco's oh, yeah. scene when he gets the news that O'Brien and Julian are dead, and then the bridge crew watching them all die, and then Cisco delivering the news that they died to Keiko... And then sl- Miles slowly wasting to death on the planet. Yep. And then Dax and Kira at Quark's mourning. And no. then finally O'Brien getting up, t- getting Julian to help him to his feet because he wants, he doesn't want to die lying down. The entire cast just does an incredible job of people, like, acting like people who are genuinely losing people they love. Yep. And Rosalind Chow as uh, Keiko is so good in this like it's just She's really re- everyone good. really turns in a great performance in this one yeah and and let's be clear you know we we joke about keiko all the time we really don't like the character much and what she does to the guy that we love but <laughs> she is really good yeah, like she the is. actor's really good mm-hmm. and and they give her something other than nagging shrewishness in this episode yeah. and and she pulls it off really really well no i i, I love the entire scene where cisco comes to her quarters and is like just comes in and the minute he walks in she knows that there's something wrong but she doesn't say anything it's it's all in the face and the body yeah. language and it's yeah it's and it's just really it's a very it's a very quiet conversation and she doesn't freak out or anything and he's obviously miserable yeah you know, like mm-hmm. not just cuz his friend's dead and that he has to deliver the news but you know yeah and she's like, happy to just... see him for like half a second and then she realizes wait Commander stopping by unannounced in the middle of the day. This is yeah, and Niles is on a mission. There's only one reason he's yeah. coming here now. Wait a minute, it's nobody fair. ever comes to visit me when Miles isn't here. Yeah, yeah. On that, 
There, he, um, Avery Brooks in particular, there's like when they first get the news mm. and when I, he's talking to like, I think just Kira and Odo, I think. And it's like, Odo's like, yeah, I've, I've seen weapons like this. And Kira's like, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And, and Cisco very quietly says, no, we lost our friends. You know, that's it. Let's, let's just kind of let this go. Like, I don't know, something about the way he plays it, very commanding, but very yeah. sad at the same time. It's just, just like, look, we're all upset, and you guys are clearly dealing with that the way you need to deal with it. Yeah, but, don't don't run off and Kira this right now, okay? We, you we, need to, we've still got we work to, to chill do. a little bit. Yeah. Also, we don't need to, like, ruin diplomatic relations with someone because Kira's mad at mm-hmm. something. That's probably... Uh, That's a problem they face every day on the station. Yeah, only it's worse when she's, like, grief mad. Yeah. She's got so the let's, grief mask. Let's not Kira, okay, guys? Is that what people say when they mean make a <laughs> she tiny Brita? judgment <laughs> error? Uh, Kira, don't Kira this up. Is she the Brita of DS9? <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a monkey called Dax's boobs. <laughs> that's not a monkey, that's Nog. It's not very oh, nice. <laughs> no, it was a bit racist. I do apologize. <laughs> There was that that particular the fantastic scene in Quarks where uh, where Kira that was and Dax really good yeah are uh, are sort of bonding over what's going on and uh, Quark comes over and proposes a toast and uh, and and Kira's still like what's your deal you don't have emotions wow, really? yeah, well they haven't really gotten to the point where other than Dax the crew doesn't really hang out at Quarks yet we were noticing. Not yet, no. No, I we mean do they'll get a stop by and they'll get something here or there, but. Well, we get a brief scene of Cisco ordering his breakfast, which was which, nice. That's a weird choice, but it fine. was a little weird. Yeah. Going well, I've got a replicator from... in my quarters and in my office, but I'm going to go to a bar for breakfast. I think I'll and go swing by Quarks for breakfast. I hear as Rom's I recall, cooking he was today. Ordering something like like uh, uh, you know chowder. Uh, like... He's getting chowder. No, no, no. He was he was getting something sort of New, or- New Orleans-y, oh, as yeah. I recall. Some some weird Cajun-y thing. I'm like, really? Isn't that your deal? Don't you cook that stuff? Yeah. Like, you, you want the Ferengi making that for you? Okay. I actually would be surprised to learn that he uses the replicator that often. <laughs> who, Cisco? Yeah, like, we're talking about a guy who was raised on actual food. Yeah, but it must be hard to get fresh, you know, food. Oh, I'm sure Maybe he is. was just doing it to uh, taunt uh, Quirk, like, to uh, keep him on his toes. Yeah, Actually, you know be. what? It's like, uh, hey, not. you know this thing that I do myself and I'm really good at. I'm going to ask <laughs> you to do it. Yeah. Why don't you make me some <laughs> uh-huh-huh spicy crawdad yes. or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. That's actually probably not that hard to get fresh food. I mean, Bajor is right there. They've got a marketplace. Yeah, and they have a, a recovering from a war population that's like the, the, the supplies are scarce. They've said that repeatedly. You got me Except there. Except for crawdads. Place is lousy with them. Yeah. Well, yeah. They get they get the whole uh, southern peninsula overrun with crawdads. Frankly, they were shocked that uh, that Cisco actually wanted to eat them. Right. Then again, I'm shocked that anyone wants to eat them. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get angry letters now. That's fine. Okay. Ever looked at a crawdad? Good lord. Yeah, I, I don't eat anything that crawls out of the ocean. More water bugs, please. <laughs> I don't do crabs or lobsters or any of that stuff. <laughs> no thanks. And I come from crab country. I get taunted a lot for that. By crabs. By crabs. <laughs> By crabs. Apparently, apparently they use mayonnaise as a special sauce. What? <laughs> it's a great place to go for crabs. For crabs. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> no one's going to get that. I don't care. 
you know, for I'm the a... three of us listening who get this, because yeah. I assume we all listen to it. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on it, Brian. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah, yeah no, no. I'm just, if you like John Hodgman and audiobooks and the post-atomic horror, then you are in the perfect nexus for crabs! <laughs> <laughs> what was your bad thing, Matt? Uh, mine was actually pretty much the uh, same as Brian's. Bad! <laughs> Bad alien makeup on both of these races. Ah, see, I like, didn't mention the makeup because I knew that was yours. Ah, thank you. I mean, look, the hairstyles are bad. The, they've also got excuse maybe, me, Matt, the Emmy award winning. Oh, hairstyles. excuse me, all the hell. The <laughs> the Emmy award winning hairstyles are bad enough, but we've also got the bland white guy makeup with maybe just sort of vaguely pointy ears. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys, you can do better. There are good aliens walking around. Right over there. there, We we get those great background aliens that we mention all the time. Mm -hmm. the, it was either this episode or the other one where we had this alien where his head was two-thirds the size of the rest oh, of his body. Oh, that was one, yeah, the giant-headed guy, yeah. Yeah. From the Pez planet. <laughs> yeah. That guy was a little ridiculous. The Easter Island kids. <laughs> From the Critic? Yes. <laughs> Very nice. We're making all the topical references. Yeah. Yep. For the people who brought you Darkman jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking about the critic. They had a Klingon kid on that show. I loved they that. They did indeed they have did, a Klingon yeah. kid on that show. He, just, he went to. He went to. His kid went to school with a Klingon kid. Yep. And he just spoke Klingon. That was it. He was going to like because he, he went to the the private school that all the kids from the UN went. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know the the Klingons in the UN. Well, I mean, somebody translated the Bible into Klingon, so it's true. That probably we're probably not far from people doing body mods to actually get like forehead rings. Well, I mean, we've already got people doing body uh, body mods to be elves. Oh. So yeah, Damn, uh, I'm pretty Trek sure they just up. do the same uh, makeup effect they used in this one, where they just take their existing ears and fold them in half. Yep. <laughs> so they're from the ear folding planet. That's right. Ear fold <laughs> Speaking one. Speaking of community theater Romulans, right. No, they were they were pretty terrible, and uh, and it's too bad because yeah, like you say, we get all these great background guys on the station, mm -hmm. but half the time the guys we focus on are the terrible yeah. ones, like the, the face paint aliens from a few weeks ago. And oh, they God. were it was a good plot too. I wouldn't mind if these guys came back. They're sort of like endless yeah. war and justifies the means thing. That could make mm -hmm. for like a really interesting recurring villain race. Sure. Yeah. If not for the fact that they look just so goddamn stupid, just like look I better. I don't get why, and we'll actually get this in the other episode as well, I don't get why the Federation is sticking its nose in other people's wars quite so much, mm -hmm. but they're doing it a lot, like, lately on this show. Well, I th I th in this case, I think they were, they were, like, like, the, well, they the were two like races a neutral asked. third party. Yeah, they're like a, they were a neutral third party, and they wanted, like, someone from Starfleet to help them out, uh, get rid of these harvesters. Right. Well, and that was because the same they, thing in the next one, they were, they were giving the neutral space for the peace talks. Mm. Right. It was weird that two sort of similar plot devices came up like two weeks in a row, though. Yeah. yeah. And that they would both be uh, O'Brien episodes. Yeah. It's like O'Brien is like the troubleshooting guy you send when you're ending your war. Well, he really hates war. Well, he's been in war. And yeah. war is, you know, as we've learned, is terrible. Yep. Unless it's with filthy Cardassians. Right. Then it's wonderful. He always, he always spits on the ground when he says that. <laughs> Dirty Cardies. Bloody Cardies. Bloody Spoonheads. Nice. <laughs> The spoons on their heads, yep. you see. I'll take two of those, double sweet. <laughs> Miles doesn't drink coffee in the afternoon. What? So oh, you doesn't he? 
you you didn't really mention that in your summary that that was like the main sort of the the plot hinged on this idea that he didn't <laughs> he didn't drink coffee after four o'clock or something. Yeah, I, I actually I like what it basically is is Keiko's watching the the uh, the uh, Cisco gives gives her the uh, the video of everyone dying, like the doctored yeah. security video, and she basically it's comes a up to fake. Ops. <laughs> she basically comes up to Ops saying, you know, this can't, this isn't right. Miles doesn't drink coffee in the afternoon. It keeps him up. Yeah. And they'll watch, and Cisco kind of take, kind of latches on that for what could be a variety of reasons. We talked about it during the episode. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm kind of amazed that he believes it, but it seems like he totally does. Mm-hmm. See, I buy it for, like, I have a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the fact that, Chief O'Brien causes caused something to go wrong. Probably well, that's, that should have been what set off the yeah. light for everyone. Like Chief O'Brien made a mistake. No, he didn't. No, fucking best engineer in Starfleet. Of course, yeah. he didn't make a mistake. Right. Secondly, I could totally. They needed to go pick up the runabout anyway, so I'm sure he wanted to come along and just give give the place a one over. Like that's just mm-hmm. that's just a good yeah. idea. I suppose so. And thirdly, I, I could see him doing it just you know because Keiko's husband just died, and like yeah, I'll do like this is a tiny, tiny little favor I could do that would make you happy. I suppose, but it also felt like she's desperately grasping at straws because she just lost her husband and she's, you know, insane with grief. Yeah. And it, it's obviously not a, you know, not a real concern. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, it doesn't do any, like, it doesn't do anything to just do it for her. I suppose that's true. I yeah. think it's just, I it, I, at the very least, I think it was just, you know, like a gesture to someone whose husband just died. Well, this ended up being my good thing yeah. anyway. Which, uh, it, it sort of resolves in your quote, which, uh, which we'll play here. I'll just put that there, then. Now, I wouldn't mind a cup of coffee right now. Miles, you never drink coffee in the afternoon. Well, sure I do. You do? Right. And, uh, and <laughs> I, I do like that the writers realize that this was a super, super flimsy thing to hang the plot on, and they just sort of hang a lantern on that. Like, okay, well, all right, yeah, it's, it's dumb, but <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And I like that they just call attention because in a, in a lesser episode of of maybe a lesser show, they would just sort of let that go. Yeah, but they're just like, nope, it's dumb. <laughs> no. We know it's dumb. The, the the fact that the only reason he's alive is because Keiko doesn't know him very well, right, <laughs> is hilarious to me. And he spends he Best spends wife. so much time on the planet defending the institution of marriage to to Julian mm-hmm. about you know how great it is and I all love that. Being Although, married to my horrible wife, she knows everything says, I love. Coffee, other things. <laughs> coffee late in the day. <laughs> you know what's really Coffee good? in the morning, coffee in the evening, coffee at supper time. <laughs> <laughs> the odd thing is in, in the, the following episode, there he orders coffee like 20 times. Yep. <laughs> coffee, he says, I like coffee. Oh, I love it any time of day. You'll never but, lie uh, to me, will you, coffee? <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, like, he, he defends marriage sort of but he actually has a little speech where he says it's filled with pratfall or pratfall and seltzer down your pants watch it, he says it's, it's oh, Molly would stop leaving banana peels everywhere <laughs> i won't drop the tray this funny. time even in the future they're still funny <laughs> now he says it's filled with pitfalls and setbacks and mistakes but there's no like but yeah like that's it that's his whole defense is like well it's it can be pretty awful so anyway, <laughs> but you love each other. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say but anything. You get to he stare at her feet all day long. You're into that, aren't you, Bashir? Apparently, 
Is there anything well, we, you're not into, you weird little randy bastard? We find out about his lo Bashir's long lost love was a ballerina of some and kind. Boy, was he into her feet? Yeah. <laughs> Bashir, the <laughs> Quentin Tarantino of the 24th century. <laughs> well, it could be worse. Yeah, it could. It could be so much worse. I mean, you got you got aliens with all you know. He could be into those like the hair guys. Yep. <laughs> like going around sniffing their pointy hair. Well, he is into the hair guys. He says so. Head jutting out seven, eight feet from her head. I don't know if you well, noticed or not, O'Brien, but uh, they've got some very striking women. He does say that. That is true. Wait, do they? <laughs> I suppose you wouldn't notice. What with you being married and all, no, I wouldn't notice because they're weird looking. I, I bet like you say either. that to all the girls. Yes, I do. Every single girl. <laughs> girl. Girl. <laughs> You're a lovely girl. <laughs> girl. Girl. He's. Uh, th this is definitely like a, a, an evolution point. We said this about the racquetball episode, but uh, in their relationship, like no, even being more so thrown here, into yeah. this, yeah, mm. being thrown into this situation together, and he, and at the end, you get this fantastic, like you know, uh, oh, I saved your life. I guess we're best mates now aren't we we're friends you and i you and me are chums yeah Ugh, go away but you can i'll you can be tell. there always when the rain falls in wales chums <laughs> i'm coming to live at your house miles no he's not <laughs> miles don't make her yell at me like that miles miles <laughs> <laughs> and that's when chief o'brien put a phaser in his mouth <laughs> Um, I, I don't know, the, the only thing, the only real problem that, uh, that I had with this was the, um, the, the, the idea that these guys would kill O'Brien and Bashir, like, okay, I guess, but then they're gonna also kill, uh, Dax and Sisko? Yeah. Like, you're gonna, really, you're gonna risk a war because you want to preserve peace. Guys, you can't just well, kill your problems away. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying that these guys would be interesting if they keep came, coming up, because they are really like that anybody who even knows about the war mm, cannot right. be allowed to continue being like that they've taken their warring nature and turned it into psychotic anti-warring. I think right. that's a neat hook. That's 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 actually really cool. It's not bad, but you got to think of like, like I say, they, they haven't really thought far enough ahead to realize oh, no, the logistics that... of it make no sense. Yeah. Like, killing Federation guys means a war with the Federation, which is much worse than a civil war among one planet. Yeah. You know, you get the whole, like, aligned Federation worlds descending on you. Yeah. Guess what? Our Found buddies it. are Klingons. delay! <laughs> yeah. That's not good. I, 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 um, I, I just, I like the idea, I like the, uh, them sending the message to Cisco that's just like, you know, all you gotta do is give us O'Brien and Bashir and we'll kill them and we'll let you go. Everything will be fine. Yeah, that that was the point. We'll finally that was the point where it's sort of Yeah. And everything will be great, right? And you'll just forget all about this. It's not really how we work over here. Really? What a huh. weird people you are. And we don't soon you'll value... be like, O'Brien, who's that? Boy, yeah. peace. <laughs> It is It is nice that uh, everyone clearly misses O'Brien way more than they miss Bashir, though. Yeah. All you've <laughs> really got is uh, Dax. Yeah. Who's, who, uh, even Dax, like, was given his personal journals to read. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I never actually read them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he is kind of a weird sicko. <laughs> Three pages you, in, and Dix. it basically just turned into porn. Yeah, it just talks about feet the whole time. Yep. I mean, you know. <laughs> little weird he kept talking about crewman dax from the from the enterprise with the giant feet that don't fit into gravity boots 
Come on, that was a Star Trek Six. No, I remember. Okay. He had the hand feet, right? Yeah. Truman Dax. Yeah, yeah and Chekhov no decided relation. to make fun of his feet in front of everybody. Yeah. Dick. You know. Perhaps you know Russian epic of Cinderella. Ugh. God, I hate Chekhov. If shoe fits, fuck you, Chekhov. <laughs> uh, anything else from you guys? Uh, let's just have a quick look at the old notes here. Points to ponder. Any let's see. Bad hair. To consider. Chief O'Brien does not make mistakes. Chief yeah, O'Brien does make steaks. That. That's true. That's only, but he only cooks them Japanese style. Mm. Like on the table while you watch with the whole, you know, like Benihana thing. I want to die on my feet. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was a great moment. That was really good. It's very Garth. And then they got teleported comedy. away, and I, I just wanted him to go. Was that it? Am I dead? Yeah. Is why does heaven, heaven look like a shuttlecraft? Why are oh, Why are you here, Julian? Well, I'm still with <laughs> Julian. God damn it! He's not Catholic. <laughs> we're We're dead, Miles, and I'm God. Oh no. <laughs> Why you refuse to believe the universe is so badly run? <laughs> that is sort of their dynamic, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Flowers! Miles O'Brien! It's hard to mess that one up, innit? Yeah. <laughs> oh, apostrophe Brian. <laughs> Are you apostrophe Brian? <laughs> what about you, Brian? Anything else? What do you think of my no, big I'm flat good. hat? <laughs> my flying chair. Garrick made it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have a best friend who's a tailor. Well, second best friend. You're my best friend. <laughs> We're best friends, aren't we, Chief? Uh, <laughs> he says the exact opposite to Garrick when he's around. You're my best friend. Don Miles is my second best friend. Yep. <laughs> he knows they'll never talk to each other. <laughs> Garrick, why is your hand on my leg? <laughs> it's a strange it, place to put is it. Is it there right now? Perhaps you only believe it is. Well, it's not there anymore, it's moving crotchwards. Who can tell what direction a hand is truly moving, Doctor? <laughs> There's no I feel I'm missing out on something knowing. important. <laughs> oh. We can't have sex, you're not a woman. <laughs> we can't have sex, there's no gays in Star Trek. <laughs> oh, there aren't, aren't there? <laughs> Well, I better camp it up a bit more, then maybe you'll think differently. <laughs> All right. Let's push forward to the inexplicably named Whispers. 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 Brian, tell us all about it, won't you? Zoom goes the shuttlecraft, and on it is our narrator, Chief Miles O'Smiles O'Brien. And he's got a yarn to spin for us, like so much distaff. He talks a bit of vagueness to lead us on, and then starts to talk about what all went wrong. You see, it all started back when he asked out the new ship's botanist. Oh, what went wrong more recently? Oh, okay. <laughs> see, it was early one morning, and Keiko was being cold and distant. No change there, I guess. Molly was also being cold and distant. Huh? They grow up so fast. Then, down in engineering, or wherever... Ensign, I'm always here every week, who says I'm not, is doing some very important work which O'Brien feels he should have been informed of. He goes off to ask Sisko about it, and sees him in an intense, mysterious conversation with Keiko. Suddenly, a comet starts hurtling towards the station at- Oh, wait, that's the theme song. Sorry, hold on. Just... <laughs> ah, so Miles is already on guard, and everything's really freaky. Everyone's acting suspicious. Sisko is assigning him busy work. Jake is avoiding him despite his offer to help with homework. 
and the guy at the Radio Shack shortchanged him, Keiko was making food he actually likes, and throughout <laughs> it all, Ensign, oh, I guess they needed another engineering guy this week, is lurking around, creeping up the place. Fortunately, he has his beloved coffee to care for him. Oh, sweet Jamaican mistress, you'll never leave him. You'll never let him down. Coffee. It's what's for dinner. Well, that's stew. After a productive evening spent reading everyone's emails, he goes off to Quark's and yada yada yada, Cisco's pointing a gun at him. Fortunately, O'Brien had planned for this. He throws down a flashbang, steals a gun and a shuttle, and escapes into the wormhole, so it's best to make an inconspicuous exit. <clears throat> well, all he wants to do now is kill, uh, to kill the evil wizard that cast a spell on the Deep Space Nine crew, as I believe is the current working theory, so he heads for the planet of Piranha 2, where he learns the truth. He wasn't actually O'Brien at all. A rebel faction had cloned O'Brien to act as a Manchurian candidate during some peace talks. The crew figured out that in short order that there were two Chief O'Briens, and after explaining to Sisko how that was different than usual, decided to let the clone go about its business in hopes of rooting out its plans. Sadly, the rebels' work was too good, and their O'Brien was still heroic enough to try to escape and save the day. Then some dude shot it, because there's only two minutes left in the episode. The clone dies a happy man, secure in the knowledge that he saved us from another story with a bunch of rebels in it. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Where you're going, there will be rivers of coffee and potatoes as far as the eye can see. <laughs> I gotta say, I did enjoy this episode, but I would have liked it more had you not said, oh, I want to do the one with two Chief O'Briens. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Because you mentioned that, and I didn't know that until the very end. Like, oh, yeah, sorry I about that. I didn't uh, know that, and this episode was great. I, I No, I didn't know that. I picked this one at random just because uh, this is the one that's going to post on my birthday, so I figured, what the heck, why not do that oh, one? Oh, sure. Um, and uh, so then what? it was after I watched it, but then, yeah, you, you asked me uh, the other day which one I was doing, and I went the one with two Chief O'Briens, whichever one it, that is. Cause it frankly, didn't spoil the episode for me at all. I mean, it, it wasn't the, like, uh, oh, you know. The titles uh, did not give me the greatest. <laughs> no, Whispers didn't. They certainly didn't anything. call it Two Chief O'Briens, the episode. Mm, no. And honestly, I was just I, I was just sort of poking at it in my head, like trying to figure out, well, is there another Chief O'Brien somewhere? Like, I, maybe I thought you were mistaken. Then I saw that Matt had written a summary about a Chief O'Brien episode. Like, shit, did I give him the wrong one? <laughs> Are there two Chief O'Briens in that one? But no, nope, they just, there's a lot of Chief O'Brien. There's Miles O'Brien this week. <laughs> the amount he's in, they need two Chief O'Briens. Yeah. Now, they, I, I still can't figure out exactly how I feel about that ending. Oh. I, I may love it. I may hate it. I, I can't quite figure it out well it was your good thing right yeah right? it is okay okay i can honestly say i did not see that twist coming and i'm usually pretty savvy about how star trek works like just the fact that we spend this entire episode with a chief o'brien who's not our chief o'brien and all of the the weird reasons like all the weird things everyone's doing like it all suddenly sort of clicks in like I, like, I spent this episode thinking it was going to be like an Invasion of the Body Snatchers takeoff. Sort of oh, yeah, where like, everybody uh, got yeah. possessed again. The What is it? Like the season one episode of TNG with uh, the slug people or whatever. Yeah, well, Conspiracy. Yeah. yeah but then you. there was also a DS9 episode recently where everyone got possessed and started acting right. funny. But then you go, like, I went back when we watched it again. Everything everyone does kind of clicks. Like, Jake and Quark don't treat the Chief any differently. Because why would anyone tell them that he was a, uh, he was a clone, you know? Yeah. And right, then... Right. No need. After, like, and then Jake disappears, he's supposed to meet up with the, the chief, he doesn't show, and then the next time we see Jake, suddenly he's acting all untrustworthy. It's because he, you know, fucking Cisco told him what was going on. Right. And it makes all of Keiko's creepy behavior actually make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. See, it doesn't really make sense to me, because why did they let him, like, 
just wander around and sleep in their bed and, and well, go to work. The, and... they, they, they mentioned it, and it, it was a little shady, but, you know, it's the kind that you had to do to get the episode going. Um, right. The plan was that once they found out that he was, they were watching him every second. Mm-hmm. And since they knew that the clone was designed to just act exactly like the regular Chief O'Brien until X point in time, um, okay. they knew he wouldn't do anything to hurt Keiko, supposedly. Uh, or maybe they and just didn't did, care. And if they did, he gives a shit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, like, the idea was just to let him go about his business and watch for what he does that's out of order so yeah. they can find, you know, whoever's controlling him or... Mm-hmm. I suppose. I mean, I don't know. Like you say, it. It. it you wouldn't get this story. You wouldn't. Yeah. Get this, so it you know, doesn't hang together perfectly, thing. but it's like eh, close enough. I. I just like I say, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it even still. Like I watched it yesterday. I've been thinking about it a lot, mm. and I, I, I. I don't know. It felt. I mean, it didn't feel like one of those terrible Brandon Braga things where, hey, weird shit's happening the whole time, and uh, here's a stupid techno babble explanation. Like there was. They thought this out. I like that it did sort of play on on what has become our expectations of Keiko, though. That she's, like, really, like, cagey and uh, aloof throughout the whole, like, first part. And then Mm -hmm. later on, we get a little reversal of Rascals where he tries to uh, get a little something going with her. And she's like, eh, no. Not really feeling it. And I just forgot about uh, little uh, little girl Keiko trying to get get laid. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy that. (laughs) My uh, actually, my bad thing was some of her acting. Like she did some outstanding acting, as we as we mentioned in the previous. Oh, really episode. good, yeah. She did some good stuff in this one as well. But at the beginning, when she's acting suspicious, it's like really sort of flimsy, wooden. Like I have to go to school early. Hem. Oh, right. I have to go now. Yeah. I think part of that is it's it's a lot harder to write her suspicious than it is for like the coworkers. Because they've it was got it like built right in, but for like the home stuff, like I, it was built into the. It, it was it was part of the acting though. Like it the was lines no, were, it was yeah. The the lines were yeah, they could go either way. I sure think during just... the uh, the riveting stew scene, um, <laughs> I think oh, it the, was act, the, the uh, that long... that was the opposite. I think she was acting it well with like the 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 looks and everything, but no, that one was good. It was it the, was, it was lo- the first scene where he wakes up. But on the other hand, that was the one scene where the plot really kind of felt like really we're just gonna. St- Sit here and look at the stew. Yep. Yep. Sit dun, here dun, and dun. look at that stew. And he's yep. like looking under the meat in the stew and poking it around on his plate. Where's the poison? There's obviously poison in uh-huh. this. And under here, as of I understand, it look like a so... black bottle with a skull and crossbones. <laughs> right. Mr. Yuck survived into the 24th century. <laughs> Mr. Yuck and Radio Shack are the two things that survived into the 24th century. It's not century. poison, it's a Japanese spice. Oh, well, oh. I believe that. <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> No, I just, like I said, that first scene where he wakes up and she's acting sort of dodgy, just, like, she didn't really sell it for me. The rest of the time, she totally did. Mm. You sure it mo- couldn't just be because Keiko's not a very good actor? That might be. No, because we saw her Picard... acting well in the last one. Oh, no, the no, no, Keiko, no. the character. No, no, not oh, Rosalind yeah, Chow. The... I admit yeah, that like, she's a good actor. Yeah. I'm just saying, no, like, like, how Picard's Keiko. not a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Being Picard's told that her husband actor. is a replicant. Yeah. Okay, what was that? What is what exactly was he a clone? They was he a are robot? very vague about it, other than the fact that they don't they they didn't want him to be an android because we would automatically, right. uh, you know, uh, be familiar with data. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't want it to be a clone either because they didn't want to have to explain what a clone was. Okay, so they so... just call it a replicant, and that's it. 
So now there's going to be like 17 different versions of it where he's narrating about, I don't know, a turtle on its back or That's something. Right. Maybe it's different this time. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah. And the uh, okay. the uh, first director's cut of the episode, the lights are half as bright, but the episode's only half as long. Mm-hmm. Oh. See, the nice that thing is the, the difference between that and Star Trek is that I wasn't ah, bored out of my mind. Twice as bright. I messed up my own quote. Sorry. That's ah, okay. <laughs> you can revise it in the, in the, the director's cut of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix that. We'll fix that in post. Right. You know that's me, right? Yes. <laughs> I am post. I that was originally going to... to find that out. Yeah, my my, my original draft of the summary included three separate sound drops, and then I was like, you know what? Al hates those. I'm going to take them out. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, it was the same sound each time. It was actually what I wound up using as my quote. <laughs> we um, Next time we do a live event, we should introduce ourselves as I am post in your atomic horror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, what was your good thing? Uh, my good thing, I, I liked the, um, the, the paranoia was played very well as far as the direction goes. Um, mm-hmm. usually, I mean, the show being what it is, like, you know, a, a weekly syndicated show, the direction tends to be sort of servicing the plot rather than well, And there's definitely a house but, style. There's definitely yeah, there's a, a standard exactly, there's a house style, style like, that they always do. But, you know, they did, like, a lot of, like, tight close-ups, like, really good focuses on mounting suspicion. There was a lot of scenes where he was spying on people who were, like, you know, off in the distance, which they hardly ever do that on this they show. Were, uh, they were right. trying to make um, it a little more, like, they were trying to film noir it up a little. Yeah, uh, they did, well, you know, that's, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like, a lot of, like, him, like, around the corners, you get a better mm-hmm. sense of, they used the scope of the set very well. Um, that ensign red herring that kept showing up. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, they, I'm they sure played he had him well. To do with that, it. like, yeah, exactly. So he was there basically because they were like, "Hey, we don't want this guy getting into any of our systems, so you're just going to do engineering stuff this week and don't let him do anything." Yeah. Right. But so because he's a guy we'd never seen be- before. Yeah, you he, always assume you're the like, way oh, these episodes gotta, work. What, yeah, what did I say when him. we were watching? He's 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 got a real Kieran McDuff feel about him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've always been here. What are you talking about? Ah, uh, Kieran McDuff. That guy was the best. Oh man, he was my favorite Enterprise officer. Mm. We uh, we need to change the cover of our new episode guide to uh, to just be a heart with Kieran McDuff's face. <laughs> on it. I armus Kieran McDuff. Yes. <laughs> the uh, the you, you talk about the suspense and the and the paranoia. That's something without without spoiling anything. That's mm-hmm. something the show will do really well really in coming seasons. Well. We have a oh, yeah. we have a very strong paranoia thread coming up. That that the show does really well, and it's nice even to see with, that they've already well, with that. O'Brien particularly. I'm thinking of that one scene at the fountain, and I'll say no mm-hmm. more. But you know the one I'm talking about. I think I do. Yeah, on Earth. But, yeah, there's a there's there's quite a lot coming up though, where you you got to second guess things and watch what people are doing mm. and stuff like that. And they do I, they do a really good job of that. The show's good at that. Um, what was your bad thing? Um, well, you remember the guns I loved in the last episode? Uh, the alien in this one has a gun that looks like a pad, and he keeps it in a holster that looks like a bedpan. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the look of those aliens, Those are cool-looking like, aliens. I gotta say, uh, they did give me a clue, though, for why, um, the more complicated alien makeup doesn't wind up on main characters, because when that guy talked, his mouth oh. barely moved, and where it was moving, you could basically see the lines of makeup <laughs> around it. It was... Ah. So you they, know, they, they, they can't, the they can't all be Nausicans with their big predator uh, teeth. <laughs> I did. Was, I love the way they sounded, though. Yeah, they had they like reverse really cool. Darth Vader's. Yeah. No, it's, it's the Morn problem. It's when they showed Morn laughing and moving mm-hmm. his mouth. It, it did not work at all. Ew. And that's Ew. why they made Morn, you know, quiet now. Guy can never shut up. 
Um, but I like. I, I did feel like the the reveal at the end was rushed a bit. Yeah. Well, when I said in the the summary, uh, only two minutes left. That is kind of how it went. Yeah. I liked I mean, that uh, nice the reveal we... was they opened the door and Bashir There's was um, examining Brian. Yeah. No, that was no, the, I... like they opened that door. I was like, oh, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> And it was like, oh, the two Chief O'Briens. There we go. Damn it, Brian. <laughs> Woo! Um, Wasn't the two no, Chief O'Briens a Russian play? I, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> you, a servant of two Chief O'Briens? <laughs> the, the, the two Chief O'Briens of Verona? There you go. The, the, the Chief O'Brien Orchard? No, that can't be right. <laughs> Damn it. That's all I know. The good um, doctor? Oh, wait. Yes. He ain't that good. The, that, why do they call him the doctor? <laughs> yeah, one um, of those things. The um, the, but yeah, the end felt a little rushed. Like if they'd explained it a little further, maybe, or if we we'd had another extra minute or two to feel bad for fake Chief O'Brien, I think it would have worked a little oh, better. Man, like, I felt terrible for poor, for poor fake Chief O'Brien. Poor yeah, fake Chief O'Brien. Because we spend the entire episode with mm -hmm. him. No, that's my uh, that's my. I don't know if it's like a bad thing, but I felt bad, so fuck it. <laughs> okay. It just the the poor guy has been running around for the past day or two. Everyone, everyone, he, all of his friends, his entire family have apparently turned against him. He goes into this room, finally hoping to get some answers, sees himself, gets shot, yep. and then gets this rushed explanation that he, it's not the real him. I, what, what a horrible way to die. So yeah, sad. that is pretty terrible. And then his last words are just, you know, tell Molly I loved her. I'm like, no, that's it's... tragic! It was tell Keiko I love, and yeah. then he dies. That's that's horrible! Yeah. Tell Keiko I love Stu. <laughs> Keiko I love tell divorcing Keiko I her want ass. Tell Keiko I want divorce. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, like I said, I, I wish we had spent another another minute or so on that, because I definitely think they could have explored that, that sadness a little like, more. I've had nightmares close to where I die like that. Wow, really? Yeah. Married to Keiko? Yeah. yeah. Can you think um... of anything more terrifying? Not offhand. No, not immediately. <laughs> no, the 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 interesting thing I was reading about on Memory Alpha was um, I didn't really understand. Actually, Amanda asked this while we were asking it why they had the framing device of him narrating the story sort of after it happened mm. on the shuttle, and it turns out because they couldn't change perspectives, like you couldn't cut away from Chief O'Brien, you couldn't have a B plot, yeah, you couldn't even show what people did after he left. I'd love to you see what to... No J Industries is up to this week, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't show the you know adventures in self sealing stem bolts because uh, you got to stay on Chief O'Brien, and so because of that, they were short like ten minutes. Mm. Like shit, uh, <laughs> let's have him narrate it. it. Yeah, it did it did help with the overall like film noir feeling of the episode though. Oh, it definitely gave like, it, it, noir it works vibe. out. It worked out in their favor, but uh, like I like that that had to be a problem for them, right? <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't really think of it that way, but they're right. You don't get a lot of episodes where you're only following one character, and you never, like, you never stay on a set after they leave. Yeah. You never see what anyone else is up to. It's always just yeah. Them. Well, I, the second they move, they move away from Chief O'Brien. You know, the game's up. Yeah, that's true. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, really great so my episode. good thing was watching Chief O'Brien outsmart everyone and escape was pretty great. I mean, yeah. I always appreciate a good reminder of how good he is at being an engineer and a soldier. Yep. You got him, you know, like, uh, setting off a meth bomb like, uh... That was awesome! Like Heisenberg. And, uh, this running through the vents. This is not meth. <laughs> running through the vents, because that's apparently what the vents are for. Yep. <laughs> and, um... 
I just his whole escape. Yeah. Was, was I thought really well It was like well a 10 minute well long planned. escape, but it was just awesome. Yeah. And, and that's where you got some seen... of like the funky directing angles and stuff in there too. Mm. Right. Because they're trying to, to sort of emphasize the increasing paranoia and, and, you know, a bit of claustrophobia and stuff like that. And, and they did a really good job of it. I thought. I just picture him crouched in the vents going, you're not, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. <laughs> I, um, it, it felt like we've seen, people do this before like we've seen people escape everyone on the enterprise before we've even seen it on ds9 i think once or twice and so you, you feel like all right we've done this before so what but they did a really good job of of you know making it interesting still in, in this case it like most of the time when someone escapes from the enterprise or you know deep space nine before it's felt like it was because everyone chasing that person was an idiot in this case, it looked like, you know, Chief O'Brien was, really, was really, yeah, he's really outsmarting all these guys. Yeah, you got the yeah, real sense, sense that he might not make it out. Yeah. And he almost didn't. Yeah, that's true. And they, they had a couple of times where he got caught and then escaped again. Like, and I it wasn't until he had he, uh... his funky uh, engineering skills t so that they couldn't lock him in and that he had, like, the yeah. tractor beams specially designed to be blocked by the shields. and Right. But that just raises the question of how, like, okay, forget the science of how they created the fake Chief O'Brien, whatever. But they really just, what did they just put Chief O'Brien's brain in this thing? Like, it, it's just a perfect duplicate well, of Well, apparently, yeah, and that's why, because, like, uh, he messed up, you know, whatever their plan was, he was supposed to just carry on as per normal until the, uh, until the peace talks, at which point he would be activated. Yeah, they didn't count so on that him being So they amazing. made an O'Brien that's so good that he noticed something was wrong. Yeah. Right. So I guess, like I say, I guess they must have just like cloned his brain or, you know, whatever. I guess. I don't know. They See, like cloned O'Brien's brain. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where when you see alien technology like that in the show, you're like, well, why don't they use it for this then? Why don't they use it for the, you know, why don't they basically use this as a way to cheat death and just make a, a perfect duplicate of someone who thinks he's him like right before he dies? Yeah, well, if you know, some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And if wishes were horses, uh, we'd Ray, all be eating one, steak. Two, three. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd all be Rumpelstiltskin. I don't know. Or possibly a leprechaun. Who fucking knows? It's not a fucking leprechaun, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's uh, fucking stiltskin or I fucking walk. <laughs> you really think that's how the conversation went? Yep, that's exactly how I think it went. Oh, alright. I gotta go do a movie for eight months. <laughs> so long, suckers. I really wish Chief O'Brien had stopped calling us suckers. Well, I really <laughs> wish you'd stop calling me Chief O'Brien. I really wish you'd stop being suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like on... no one's going to be happy today. <laughs> we touched on this briefly, but but Cisco makes this joke. Oh, God. Yes. Where he's in his <laughs> office, and he picks up his baseball, and he says something dropped the ball. I guess we dropped really the dropped the ball dropped on the that ball. one. Like, oh, do, God. Do you get really, it, Ben? We 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 had this idea that he was try that he was working on being a fun manager. Yes, he's got the uh, the the book on his pad for uh, you know how to how to manage people the the something the way. Michael Scott way. <laughs> right. He, he went to Warp's <laughs> weekend seminar on how to be a good boss. That would be. And you just he starts doing like uh, Austin Powers voices. And, <laughs> oh God. I could, I could totally see Cisco doing that, too. And then he picks oh, up the pad hey, as soon as O'Brien leaves, and you just feel like he just went, you know, baseball joke went perfectly. <laughs> Pulled off without a hitch. Everybody <laughs> laughed, broke into applause. 
Everybody laugh, roll on snare drum, curtain close. <laughs> but doctor, I'm Pagliacci. <laughs> Big on the Rorschach references this week for some reason. Human bean juice. <laughs> it's all you're going to have it's for dinner. It's part of my gumbo recipe. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to have for dinner, Keiko? Human bean juice. <laughs> I'm just eating a salad. <laughs> I don't want your shit stew. They're, that stew, like, yeah, they they really did linger on the stew for quite some time. Like hey. that was where the tension sort of escalated. Listen, catering worked hard on that stew. It just looked like gog food. Yep. But to be fair, that, that's what a, that's what a nice hearty Irish stew looks like. Oh sure. Listen, I love me a good stew, but uh, you know it's not not the most appealing thing in the world. Look, we're well aware of how much you like stew. You like it almost yes. as much as you like a good ham. I love a good roast. That's let me the tell one. You. Yeah. Come on, Matt. Don't you remember our award-winning webcomic about me liking a roast? <laughs> you remember my love of photosynthesis? Of course I do. I remember you being able to say I could, it. I have never been able to say photosynthesis. Fuck. <laughs> Crumb crisp coating. I'm not. I'm not fixing that in post either. <laughs> That's tough. You're despicable. <laughs> I, I do like, uh, Brian mentioned this in his summary, that uh, O'Brien just reads everyone's emails. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, was a weird, sitting... that was another scene that really seemed like padding. I did. I didn't mind it, though. I know, I liked it. I liked, it. I liked that, they, that they had like all these little like hints of like adventures they had that we hadn't even seen. Mm. Like when yeah, Clarkson like Community did the fake clip shows. Yeah. Right. Or like uh, like the Buffy episode where everyone's off having an adventure and, and uh, Xander's just... Uh, Oh like, yeah, he's he's supposed to go get involved. the donuts, and he has the yep. uh, zombie adventure instead. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what it felt like. The, the O'Brien's having his own adventure, but everyone else is doing like other really cool stuff that he's not involved with. I also love the uh, Kira's angry email. Well, <laughs> yes, of course. Complaining I mean, about something. Like, that's pretty much perfectly in character. Well, we've established that Cisco is making everyone keep logs, despite the fact that they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And so she's already probably still pissed off about that. Yep. And then, of but course, then she's Kira. when O'Brien was talking about people reading other people's personal stuff, he mentioned his sexy letters to his wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looks like they went through my personal stuff. Hope they enjoyed the sexy letters to my wife. Um, Dear Keiko. Yeah. How are you? I am fine. Perhaps Julian's someday... Like, I'll take that one. <laughs> perhaps someday we could have sex together. <laughs> Remember that one time we had sex? Sincerely yours, Chief O'Brien. <laughs> Your husband. <laughs> It's in parentheses. Yeah. <laughs> and Bashir just, like, takes that one back to his quarters. Oh, that's hot. Dear Keiko, what are you wearing? Please respond quickly, your husband. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes, like, two weeks to get a subspace reply. This is going to be some amazing Dear Miles, right now or when I first read the letter? Please advise. <laughs> Love, Keiko. Dear Keiko. Here's a list of all the Whatever you I've happen to find it then. convenient. The, the problem is that she writes him back in Japanese. Oh. And he hasn't learned it yet. Well, no, thanks to the TARDIS translator circuits that they apparently have on the show, they can just... Uh... <laughs> yes. Well, you did mention the set in the in the previous episode. Oh, yeah, we totally like forgot to mention that. Yeah, the, uh, Very the, alien, uh, the alien computer yeah. lab. It, it was literally like a 1980s TARDIS. Uh, well, the, there was a central the central console, console with like the little a, like yeah. rising and falling cylinder thing in the middle, mm -hmm. yep. and like the shiny That's... walls with the little round computer panels on them. It was really and hope... then the terrible hair aliens. Yeah, and the terrible it was really hair aliens. Take uh, O'Brien into the costume room, <laughs> and then he could strangle Perry. Right again. 
poor Perry. <laughs> and then she turned into a penguin, is that right? I think so. Oh, she uh, had like nine different uh deaths. Yeah. Oh, I was I was reading on Memory Alpha also. Apparently this episode whispers is David X. Cohen, the creator of Futurama's favorite episode. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I can like see of all that. Star Trek uh, in, in, in its entirety. Huh. You know, no. I would like to see a list of his favorite episodes of Star Trek. I would too. I don't really care about most people's favorite episodes of Star Trek, but but that guy I like would be interested David X. To see. Cohen quite a bit. Yeah, and obviously we share a bit of you know a uh, uh, sense of humor, mm-hmm. a bit of comic sensibility. I'd be I'd be curious to see. He said this this plot felt very Futurama to him. Mm, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely I can see. It. Well, isn't this basically what they did with Bender and Flexo, kind of? <laughs> nah, not kinda. quite, because they knew it about Flexo felt... the entire time. Now that I think about it, it actually felt very much in the spirit of, uh, what was it, The Sting. Yes. Oh, I thought it felt like the uh, the episode where they, uh, the one where they came back and at the very end uh, they revealed that uh, uh, Fry and Leela had been robots the whole time. Oh, yeah. It was the first episode when they came back on Comedy Central, I believe. You guys want to take a break oh, into a yeah. Futurama podcast for a while? Yeah, that'd be okay. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be right back, guys. Ago. We're just going to go off and uh, do that. And watch all the Futurama. bow, 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 bow. bow. I don't. I don't want to do that. Uh, that last Comedy Central season, though. I'll just eh, skip. They it had bad. their. Mo- they had I their moments. It. No, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't the same. Mm. It's all. Anyway, anything more about whispers? Uh, I read on uh, again. Whispers. Speaking of interesting things we've seen on Memory Alpha, um, apparently they filmed a scene with O'Brien singing the Minstrel Boy like he did in The Wounded. But oh, um. Nice. They like it was like based on an earlier script draft or something where there was a different runabout chasing him, and so he refers right, to it like two or three times, and they were like, episode. "Ah, we gotta cut it." Yeah, <laughs> and they specifically no, they say the runabouts and uh, they specifically say here game. after all that trouble to add scenes to pad the show out, we had to cut a two-page scene, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> they're admitting it." <laughs> yep, nice one, guys. Now we're gonna have them narrating the narrating parts. <laughs> and then oh. I sang for a little while. There's not found. There was a pack led. <laughs> there was. There's been a pack led for a while. We think it's he. We think he's lost. But in yep. this one, he was just sitting around making googly eyes at Jake for some reason. Ugh. Out Do in, you know where Jordy is? Out in front of the Maybe radio he's wondering, shack. Wondering how how Jake grew a foot in like two weeks. <laughs> I'm wondering that myself. Now. So. Yeah, there's there's a scene of him and Brian walking, and they're the same height. Like, what? When the fuck did that happen? Yeah, it's half Klingon. Yep. Well, the thing is, um, if I recall Jake correctly, he turns into the tallest man ever. Well, yeah, Tony Todd plays an older version of him, and we totally buy that. Yep. So that's a uh, that's a bit telling right there. So it's kind of hilarious when his best friend is a foot tall. <laughs> yep. Well, see, he's very tall, and he's very short. <laughs> <laughs> This... And then he dropped the ball. <laughs> this was the largest uh... runabout that I could afford. Like, should have therefore be made the subject of fun? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Oh, I love no, that bo- <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's everything. Yeah, this right. is a, two uh, really good great one. episodes. Yeah, these, well, they were two Chief O'Brien episodes, so, you yep. know, big surprise there. And uh, you know, good to have him back because mm-hmm. he was he was noticeably absent for the first portion of the season. Yeah, and, uh, our long national nightmare of O'Brienless episodes is over. For now, he did. Colmini did this regularly, where he'd go off for three or four weeks and uh, make a movie in Ireland mm-hmm. or something. Coffee make, for everyone. Make half... <laughs> Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet. 
just like my wife. Well, no, not so much. All right, so that, is all <laughs> that was actually week. the replicator's response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Cisco crosses that one out. <laughs> I won't be using that one. Nope, did not go over well. Uh, let's see. Next week we will be doing episodes called Paradise and Shadow Play, which uh, I don't know, probably Nog episodes. Or... Uh, Paradise is the I one where they go that. to the planet where uh, they have sex at the drop of any hat. Oh, of course. And, right, right. Uh, justice. Shadow Play is the one where Annie moves into Troy and Abed's apartment, and they put on the Shadow Play for her. Oh, right in the uh, in the Hollow Yes, of course. There we go. Very well. Brian, would you like to uh, plug your thing? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, as uh, always, I'm uh, doing uh, my cartoon reviews. Uh, I, fr- I realized when I was listening to the last episode, I forgot to say the uh, address. Uh, it is still allthedisneymovies.blogspot.com, although I am no longer doing all the Disney movies. I'm doing the competitors. Uh, I'm actually just but getting into Don Bluth now. Up. I'll be doing The Secret of Nim, uh, followed by the... Uh, American Tale, Land Before Time, and All Dogs Go to Heaven, and then some real shit, so. <laughs> Are you going to be doing uh, Land Before Time 2 through 13? Uh, no, I can probably do an entire year on uh, crappy Don Bluth sequels that were not made with his involvement. And the, only uh, scratch the surface. The constantly yeah. decreasing uh, returns on what kind of actors they're able to afford for the All Dogs Go to Heaven sequels is, uh, <laughs> is, is uh, Burt Reynolds, well, it was Burt Reynolds heaven, in the first so. one. And then Charlie mm. Sheen in the second one, and then well, Stephen I mean, Weber from Wings. Burt, after you lose Burt Reynolds, it's only downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Who was in the third one? Uh, Stephen Weber, Wings' brother from Wings, or, oh, or as boy. seen recently on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, as as the guy who killed Lee. Yep. Oh, poor Lee. Yep. Also, next week our pal Bob will be here. So Yay! look forward to that. All right, and with that, Matt, say it. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.